Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's May 25th, 2022, and that means there's seven months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we'll learn about the North Pole, Santa's Workshop, a Christmas-themed amusement park in Colorado, and talk with one of the general managers of the park, Austin Lawhorn. We'll also run down the top five opening lines in Christmas movies, discover a way to add a little Christmas to your next formal affair, and we'll give the recastmas treatment to Miracle on 34th Street. Okay, let's start the show! Greetings, Yule Believers! Welcome to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, the show all about Christmas history, Christmas traditions, Christmas media, and everything else Christmas. I'm your host, Tim Babb, coming to you from my Christmas cave. I've been a busy little Christmas elf since we last talked. Aside from scoring an interview with Austin Lawhorn from the North Pole Santa's Workshop, which we'll hear a little later in this episode, I was also lucky enough to be a guest on the Sounds of Christmas podcast a few weeks back. We talked about modern Christmas songs that deserve to be classics, and I got an idea from that discussion that I think I want to expand upon later this year. Uh, what was the idea? Well, imaginary listener, it sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog. I'll tell you another day. Or, if you want to guess, you can go listen to the episodes of Sounds of Christmas that I was on. But I'm not done listening to this episode of your show. Good point. Finish listening to this, and then go listen to that. But I hope you're still listening right now, because I'd like to get to our first segment, We Need a Little Christmas, now. We need a So I went to a wedding a few weeks ago. By the way, congratulations, Cameo and Kyle. Anyway, thanks to this bowl full of jelly above my waist that I've been working hard to expand during this pandemic, I needed to buy a new suit. I ended up getting a blue suit, which was nice, but most of the ties I own go better with a brown suit or a black suit. So I searched through my closet, desperate to not have to go back out to the suit store to buy a new tie, and lo and behold, I found a tie that I made for myself a while back. See, many years ago I was going to a Christmas party that wasn't formal, but it was much dressier than my usual party. So I made a tie that was Christmassy. It was red, but with white snowflakes on it. As it happens, the colors of the tie went pretty well with the colors of my suit. So fast forward to the wedding, and I posted a picture of myself at the wedding on social media, and a lot of people commented on the tie. So I decided to make it available for anyone. You can just go to our Zazzle store and order your own. That way, the next time you have to dress up for a formal occasion, you can add a little Christmas spirit to your outfit. Sadly, I don't know what would be the equivalent for women to wear at a formal event. I mean, yes, women can obviously wear ties if they want to, and far be it from me to stand in the way from a woman from wearing any tie, much less this particular tie, but a lot of women don't wear ties to formal events, so I don't know what a comparable accessory I could design for the ladies would be. You know what I mean? Like something so like if you're... If your partner's wearing the tie, you could wear something with the same design on it. That way you both could match. I don't know what that accessory would be. But if you have any ideas, let me know. And if I can, I will design one so that it could be like a, a, a couple's Christmas pattern that you guys could wear to your next formal event. 
In the meantime, the link to this tie is in the show notes at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And now it's time for our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. It's almost Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S., and when I was a kid, that marked the kickoff of the summer movie season. But now with all these Marvel movies coming out in late April or early May, summer movie season starts in the middle of spring. But regardless, I have movies and beginnings on the brain, and that gave me the idea to count down the top five opening lines in Christmas movies. The first line of a movie can really set the stage for the movie you're about to watch. Sometimes the very first bit of dialogue can set up themes, set up the plot, or just set a general vibe. Although... When I was doing research for this, I noticed a lot of the first lines in Christmas movies are just random jibber-jabber that is not particularly relevant or interesting to point out in a list like this. But I did assemble these first lines in the movie that get you in the mood to experience some cinematic Christmas magic. So let's get started with... Number 5. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Inside a snowflake, like the one on your sleeve, there happened a story. You must see to believe. Now, I debated whether or not to include this one. The 2000 Grinch movie with Jim Carrey is an underrated gem, in my humble opinion. But if you're working from the sacred text of Dr. Seuss, and you spent your money on Anthony Hopkins as your narrator, why wouldn't you use Seuss's words to open your movie? Well, I'm sure the answer is because movies are much longer than children's books, so they needed to add some more to fill out the runtime, and one of the things they added was this opening line. It's not Seuss's, but it captures his spirit and does a good job of setting up the tone of what's to come, so that's why I included it at number five on this list. Number four. Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh. Well, that was a fine meal. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yes, where should we do now? Let's have a lunch. Oh, good idea. Oh. Another movie adapted from a work of literature that chooses not to open a movie with text from the book. Now, several adaptations of Dickens' A Christmas Carol do open with the opening line of the book, Marley was dead to begin with. There was no doubt whatsoever about that. And The Muppet Christmas Carol does eventually use that line, sort of. See, in The Muppet Christmas Carol, there are two Marleys, so it says the Marleys were dead to begin with, but they do use that line. But to open this movie, we have this exchange between some random pigs that will pop up throughout the story. It's a fun way to set the tone for this movie and a sentiment I can relate to far too often these days. I finish eating and I'm immediately hungry again. I'm saying, I want to hang out with these pigs. They clearly know what's up. Number three. It's a wonderful life. I owe everything to George Bailey. Help him, dear father. From overly silly to the decidedly serious. I've talked before about how much I love this movie, but until doing research for this list, I never really stopped to look at this opening sequence. The movie opens with voiceover of various people praying for our main character, George Bailey. And this first line, said by Mr. Gower from the drugstore, sets up so much. It tells us who George Bailey is as a character, sets into motion the plot of the movie by sending this prayer to heaven, and even foreshadows what will happen in the alternate Bedford Falls when George isn't around to stop Mr. Gower from making a huge mistake. Not bad for ten words. Number two. The Nightmare Before Christmas. It was a long time ago, longer now than it seems, in a place that perhaps you've seen in your dreams. For the story that you are about to be told took place in the holiday worlds of old. Now, you've probably wondered where holidays come from. If you haven't, I'd say it's time you begun. 
This is just a great opening. It has the charming meter of the Night Before Christmas poem, but with Danny Elfman's score playing underneath, it has a bit of a foreboding tone as well. A little Christmas and a little Halloween all in one. I may also be biased on this one because this line also starts off the Christmas overlay of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, so I've also gotten to hear it from the ghost host, which, really, that'll put anything over the top. Honorable Mentions! Polar Express! On Christmas Eve, many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound I was afraid I'd never hear. The ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. I added this one as an honorable mention because while the quote itself doesn't really blow my hair back, when I was doing research for this, I never realized that the opening line of this movie specifically talks about hearing Santa's sleigh bells. It's not something you notice at first viewing, but those bells, and specifically the ability to hear them ring, will definitely come back later in the movie. Plus, come on, Tom Hanks, who doesn't love that guy? Number one. Love Actually. Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. Is this an obvious choice? Yes. Is it a little too on the nose? Possibly. Do I care? Not at all. Are you going to keep asking yourself questions and then answering them? Apparently. But Love Actually's opening line is a lovely sentiment about love, specifically about finding love in the midst of darkness. And that's kind of what Christmas is, if you think about it. And that's kind of what Christmas is, if you think about it. Either metaphorically, with the love of God being born into the world of man to shed light into man's darkness, or literally, with a grand celebration of light and happiness just as the world is getting cold and dark. Love is there to be found at Christmas. It may not be with Hugh Grant in a relationship that is a troubling power dynamic, but love actually is all around. And that's my list. Did I miss your favorite opening line? Let us know in the comments section or shoot us an email at christmas at tancast.com. And now a word from one of the other podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network. What does a poet and his friends who are Christmas geeks do when they get together? They get drunk and argue about Yuletide lit. It's time to get lit for Christmas. Join us as we open the liquor cabinet, grab a book off the shelf, and have a little boozy conversation about what warms our chestnuts and makes us holly and jolly. Find out the best screwdriver to scrooge with. Get the recipe for Gift of the Magi Mojitos. Enjoy a little Peppermint Patty Polar Express. Everyone's welcome at this party. It's time to do some Jingle Bell Jello shots and talk about the great, and maybe not so great, works of Christmas literature. Hurry up. The fireplace is roaring and Bing Crosby's crooning. We're two drinks in, and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future are flowing. 
grab a cup of cheer, and find a place on the couch. It is time to get lit for Christmas. Welcome back. So, if you know me, you know there are two things I like. If you don't know me, you can probably guess if you're this far into the show that one of them is Christmas. The other is amusement parks. So there's an amusement park just west of Colorado Springs in Colorado that's right up my alley. It's called the North Pole Santa's Workshop. For over 55 years, families and children of all ages have discovered the magic of Santa's Workshop and the North Pole. Nestled at the foot of Pikes Peak, the park has something special for every member of the family. You can meet Santa and his elves and enjoy a full day of family fun with over two dozen rides, games, shows, and great food. This place looks so cool! It's got these great themed shops to do your Christmas shopping. It's got your usual amusement park food like burgers and funnel cakes, but it's also got hot cocoa and apple cider. Santa is there for you to visit. Plus, they've got almost 30 rides like your classic train ride that all great amusement parks should have. But then you have a Dumbo-style ride, but instead of riding flying elephants, you're riding giant Christmas ornaments around a spinning Christmas tree. Then there's something called Santa Sleigh Ride, where it's kind of like a zip line, but you're riding in Santa's sleigh, pulled by a certain reindeer with a red nose, as you zoom over the park. There's a candy cane coaster, a carousel, a Ferris wheel. The place looks like a holly jolly good time. In my ideal world, I would be recording this podcast from inside the park right now so I could tell you all about it. Sadly, the travel budget for the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is less than you'd think. Or perhaps... It's exactly what you think. Regardless, I couldn't make it out there this year, but I've got the next best thing. I've invited one of the general managers of the park, Miss Austin Lawhorn, to join us on today's show. And, amazingly enough, she's agreed. Now, full disclosure, this was recorded in mid-May. So in this interview, she mentions they won't be open on Saturday due to the snow. Don't worry, that was the Saturday before this episode drops. The snow has come and gone, and they were open on Monday, and they will open the weekend this episode drops. And throughout the summer, the fall, and the holiday season. You can check their website for their hours, but before you do that... Please help me welcome to the Christmas Cave, Austin Lawhorn. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. So I, first of all, I would like you to tell the people about, uh, about Santa's Workshop. Tell us about it what, it, what it is, and what people can experience when they go there. Well, we are a vintage Christmas-themed amusement park uh, built for families with young kids. We opened in 1956, and we've kind of grown since then. We mostly cater towards the young and the young at heart. We collect rides from across the country and restore and refurbish them. And, you know, it's really a unique place. We're not a big, giant roller coaster theme park. We are kind of a frozen in time little vintage nostalgic park here on Pikes Peak. Very cool. Now, when it started, it was just was it just a village, or did it always have rides? Or how, when when it started back in '56, uh, what was what 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 did it look like then? Uh, it did start in 1956, and at that time, it was mostly just a village of artisans and Santa and uh, showmen. We had a magic. Sh- we had a little puppet show. We had. A lot of animals were here, just kind of roaming free. A lot of people in <laughs> costume. We had a blacksmith here. Oh. We had um, we had a stagecoach ride, and but it was mostly just goats and deer running around, and you could buy a little bottle of milk and feed them, and you know it was mostly a shopping entertainment little village and. Um, eventually I think our first ride you could call it was a stagecoach ride, which was 
a guy that lived up here and he just would take a stagecoach from the front to the back with his uh, donkeys. But um, eventually we built the antique car track and the candy cane slide was something that we built here. It Well, it came from a world's fair and um, we brought it here after the world's fair. So oh, that's cool. That was kind so- of the start is a slide and some antique cars. So if you're going on that slide, you're sliding on something that was in the World's Fair. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And there's there's still a magic show today, right? Yes. Yep. On the hour. And actually, our magician, Balthazar the Christmas Wizard, uh, <laughs> he's been here <laughs> almost since the beginning of the park. Um, wow. He's That's been awesome. here for a very long time. And do, do you still have animals? Because I saw I saw some animal feeding on the website. Yes, we do have. Uh, we still have a unique herd of um, English uh, fallow deer, and um, so they cannot be intermingled with any sort of native deer here in Colorado. It's the same herd that we've had up here since 1956. Wow. Uh, we're no longer breeding them. Uh, you know. We have kind of our last set of them uh, here at the park. Um, So, but we still have quite a large herd here. Now, was it always uh, like when it first opened, was it, was it more just at Christmas time? And then later on they realized, Hey, people like Christmas all the time. Or was it always open during the summer and all year? It was actually only open in the summer. Uh, Cascade. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see that coming. Um, Cascade, <laughs> where we are, is um, it was really more of a vacation town. Um, oh. We are up Ute Pass, 10 miles west of Colorado Springs. And so in the 50s, um, you know, road trips happened in the summer. Uh, they weren't a year-round thing, especially because of road and weather conditions. And so we were really more of a summer destination because this cute little town that we are located in boomed during the summer and then everybody would go home. Um, it really was major, uh, the majority of the residents here in town were summer only residents, almost like a summer camp. Like if you can imagine that where all these families had their family homes here, their cabins, summer cabins, a lot of them coming from other States and, they would kind of alternate weeks to be here in Colorado, and then they'd all go home and not a lot of tourists to sustain. And also the weather here, um, just not sustainable for the fall and winter back in the 50s and 60s. And there wasn't really a big desire. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of rides at the right. time, so it kind of um, would trickle down. And so it actually used to only be open in the summer, but as things changed, um, we started, we, you know, we try to be open until December 24th every year, but even that can be a battle some years, not recently, but I mean, we're going to be closed probably on Saturday because we're expecting almost a foot of snow. So that's delaying our opening day. Oh, wow. This, this weekend. See, I'm from California, so I don't understand how anything 
it keeps going in the snow. Like it's a complete yeah. mystery to me. Like how, how yeah. do people live if there's snow on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> they don't, it shouldn't be coming to amusement parks. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Although the idea of a Christmas summer camp is the best idea anyone has ever come up with that you just, you just stumbled upon. I love that idea. Yeah. Yes. Well, we, we, uh, it does feel very mountainy like Santa's summer retreat here. Yeah, it does seem like a place Santa would want to go in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you are third generation of the family that operates this park. Yes. So uh the current owner, Tom Haggard, his uh he is your dad. No, okay. I wasn't sure because you referred to it well before we started recording, you referred to him as Tom. I was like, I would never call my dad Tom, mostly because oh, that know, wasn't his name. Uh <laughs> my brother and I grew up just differently, you know? Uh <laughs> We've both worked here since we were kids. Mm -hmm. There's a very clear, you know, in order to work at a family business, you got to have your family life and you got to have your, you know, boss life. Oh, Um, good point. Good point. And so uh, a lot of times I do call my dad Tom here up at (laughs) work uh, um, just because that's just kind of a, a good boundary. You know, we can have our professional life and our family life and um you know that's just how we have to do it that makes sense it by um so but he so like i said third generation so that means uh your dad's mom and dad they were actually like your your grandma was involved in by uh she was a buyer for the park uh, and your grandfather actually helped build the park Yes. He so, was part of the original uh, group of investors. There was a big group that started this. Oh, I see. Back in the 50s. And he was one of the original investors. I think that's I mean, I think that's so cool that then like then the son, your dad now owns it. Like I mm-hmm. how cool. Like that's the best like oh, this place used to work. I now own that mom and dad. So you're yep. welcome. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, it's uh, it's not an easy business. Um, so there was a big group to be uh, to get started. And then it just was one of those things that like one by one, they all kind of trickled out. And then it was just my grandfather and one other family that um, kind of took it through the first, I want to say 10 to 15 years. And then the other family, you know, the other guy, his family, you know, they wanted to do their own thing. And so my grandfather was happy to kind of take over as the the primary owner. And then shortly thereafter, my dad uh, kind of took over from there. So nice. Yep. Here's my question that I'm a little worried about. Since you since your job is Christmas. Yes. Do do you are you still able to appreciate it? Like, cause you're you know you're neck deep in Christmas all the time. So like, are you like when it actually comes around to Christmas time, you're like ugh enough, or is it like this is I, I, this is why I do this because I love Christmas? You know, for me, I grew up in this family. I grew mm-hmm. up in this business, and for me, Christmas has been a part of my life uh, year round since I was a kid. To say that you know. Um, you would get tired of Christmas is like saying you'd get tired of food or <laughs> breathing or life. I mean, to me, it's like 
in my blood. I will say that um, when I do get around to the holidays, um, I do get really excited. I'm one of those people that puts up my Christmas tree, you know, it, November 1, you know, nice. I am ready. Or <laughs> I don't put up my tree because we get a real tree, but I take all of my Halloween stuff down and, you know, I'm one of those, you know, I won't say it, but I, I jump over Thanksgiving and I get right to Christmas because <laughs> to me, Chris, Thanksgiving and Christmas almost seem mutually exclusive because it's all part to me of the same holiday season. And yeah. I have kids. So, um, the magic that families and kids experience around the holidays is still very relevant to me because I, you know, I create this Christmas atmosphere and this Christmas feeling for all these kids up here and, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not immune to it. I'm a parent too. I search for that magic in my life and I search for that peace in my life and I search for those childhood memories to um, recreate with my own kids just the same way as any one of my um, guests might do. So um, I don't get sick of it. And I am the first one to put on the Christmas carols and <laughs> decorate my house. And um, that being said, I do find ways to make it a little bit more low key because I'm <laughs> tired from. <laughs> right. Yeah. I imagine <laughs> it's still, you know, even I think we can all get tired, but I think um, that certainly doesn't take away from the magic i mean i think you almost need it more uh when you're tired oh good point yeah so i should ask the so but by the time this airs uh hopefully uh these this will be the, this drops on the 25th of may hopefully the snow will have dissipated and you will be open what can people expect from this summer season at uh, santa's workshop well you know we are refurbishing um uh paratrooper ride right now so we'll be getting that back online but you know this will be our 66th season and we did a lot of you know what we always do painting cleaning prepping uh i do think that nationally there's still some tough times that people are going through and so we are still trying to preserve that kind of vintage nostalgia and we will do our best to bring that to families coming through our door kind of a disconnect from uh, a lot of the big crazy stuff going on in the world um, you know we have learned, and if you ask any kid that's visited our park, you ask them what their favorite ride is. And while some of them will tell you the Santa Sleigh Zip Line, which is one of our newest rides, almost all of them will tell you it's the slide. The slide that has been here <laughs> since the very beginning that you get into a gunny sack and you go down this big candy cane slide. Uh, I think that kids don't change as much as parents do. <laughs> and I think that you will still get what you've always gotten from us. So it is the, the maintaining of kind of this nostalgic place. And it's beautiful up here and summer in the mountains. It, you know, you doesn't get much better than summer here, right here in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Very nice. And if people want to um, get tickets or more information, they can go to NorthPoleColorado.com. 
And uh, again, by the time this drops, uh, you, you know, the, the park is open, uh, looks like Thursday through Monday. Is that yeah, correct? Five days a week. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us today. Of course. <laughs> it's nice to find people who have that like year-round Christmas like we do. Santa's Workshop and the North Pole are located at the foot of Pikes Peak, just a few minutes west of Colorado Springs. Wasn't that great? Not only is she one of the main people who run the place, she's the daughter of the owner and the granddaughter of the founders. I'm so glad she was able to make some time to talk to us today. And again, their website is northpolecolorado.com, and you can check the calendar there to pick the days you want to go. But if you're going in the summer, you don't need to reserve tickets ahead of time. You can just buy them at the gate. You only have to reserve ahead of time during the holiday season. But all that information is on their website, which I will link in the show notes of this episode. So if you're in Colorado, I highly suggest checking this place out. I have some in-laws in Colorado that we sadly don't visit very often, but maybe this is just the excuse we need to get us out there. Ho, ho, ho. Find Christmas cheer and family fun from May to December at the North Pole, home of Santa's workshop. Visit Santa and his elves and discover the magic where holiday music and Christmas cheer fill the air and the North Pole never melts. And now it's time to play casting director in our year-long segment, Recastmas Time. We're simply having a wacky Recastmas Time. All year, I'm asking you to recast the movies and specials we know and love every Christmas to see if we can make something new, exciting, or at the very least, interesting. Last time, I had you recast Miss the 1947 classic Miracle on 34th Street. Here's what you came up with, starting with Brandon, who has once again recorded his answer and even added music and sound clips. Roll it, Slappy the Elf! Hey, Tim and all you podcast listeners, how's it going? My name is Brandon, and I am from Baltimore, Maryland, and here are my picks for the recasting of Miracle on 34th Street. So I'm thinking who could play a great Chris Kringle I'm thinking of a guy that we actually got to see play Chris Kringle, Santa Claus, in a commercial last year. How about Steve Carell? Of course, he played Michael Scott on The Office. I think he could do a good job in that role. Here's Santa! Susan Walker, I thought maybe Kaylee Fleming. She is Judith Grimes on The Walking Dead, and she also played Young Ray in the uh, Star Wars movies recently. Dory Walker, Susan's mom, I thought could be played by Anna Kendrick. She, of course, has a little bit of Christmas movie history as well. She was in the Disney Plus movie Noel a couple years ago. Merry Christmas. Brian Bedford, I thought could be played by Andrew Garfield. Of course, Andrew Garfield is from uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, among other things. So I think he could play that role really well. Then I was thinking, what about the inebriated Santa? beginning of the movie how about we have a scene between Steve Carell and Matt LeBlanc of course he played Joey on Friends and uh, he's got such a great New York accent I think he could really do a great job uh, in that role hey that's a Christmas miracle so those are my picks for the recasting of Miracle on 34th Street thank you so much for doing this podcast every single month Tim and everybody out there don't stop believing I have to say, Steve Carell is an interesting pick. I don't automatically picture him as the Santa type, even after that commercial he did, but Anna Kendrick is perfect, and I will sign off on Andrew Garfield in anything. After his performance in Spider-Man No Way Home, he can- Spoilers! Oh, sorry. Well, let's move on to our next Rick this time from Benji, who says, 
Hey Tim, I would like to suggest the following names for this recastmas of Miracle on 34th Street. Doris, Neil Patrick Harris. Fred, Andrew Rinalis. Susan, Darby Camp, at her age as Kate Pierce in the first Christmas Chronicles. Chris Kringle, Stellan Skarsgård. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Benji. Now, I have to admit, I had to Google Stellan Skarsgård. He was the guy who got Matt Damon out of jail in Goodwill Hunting and is the scientist guy in the Thor and Avengers movies. I always get him confused with Peter Sarsgaard. I know they have two totally different last names and first names, but whenever one of them comes up, I have to Google them because I get them confused with the other. All this to say, I think Stellan would make a fine Santa. And although I'm not familiar with Andrew Rinalis, Neil Patrick Harris is a legend, and I think that would be a great way to bring a new perspective to this story. Thanks, Benji. Next up, it's Scott from the Holly Jolly Ex Masu podcast, who says he's going a late 70s, early 80s route. His picks are for Doris, Mary Lou Henner, Fred, Burt Reynolds, Chris, Burl Ives, Susan, Christy McNichol, District Attorney Mara, Dabney Coleman, Judge Harper, Gordon Jump, Granville Sawyer, Charles Nelson Riley, Mr. Macy, Norman Fell, Singing narrator, John Denver. Special appearances by Paul Lind, Donnie and Marie, Kiss, Paul Williams, and Shields and Yarnell. I mean, I don't know if everyone knows who Charles Nelson Riley is, but go look up the classic game show Match Game. That guy is hysterical. And I'd love to see the chemistry with Burt Reynolds and Mary Lou Henner, but Burl Ives as Chris Kringle is an inspired choice. Here's another one from Brian who says, Chris would be the greatest screen Santa of all time, Kurt the Christmas Chronicles Russell. Doris and Fred need some real chemistry between them, so I'm going to choose Rhett and Link from Good Mythical Morning. And of course, Susan would be a completely CGI rendering performed by Sean Gunn, who is the mocap suited actor that provided all the physical motions for Rocket Raccoon in the Guardians of the Galaxy films. But I have a feeling this audience would know him better as Kirk from the TV series Gilmore Girls. Wow. So that definitely falls under the category of interesting. I don't watch Good Mythical Morning, but I'll take your word for it that those guys have chemistry. I'm a little worried about the uncanny valley creeping in on CGI Susan, but it's always good to give Sean Gunn some more work. Thanks, Brian. Back to fellow podcasters, Ken from Sounds of Christmas fittingly gives us a musical version. Paul McCartney as Chris, Harry Connick Jr. as Fred, Leanne Rimes as Doris. I'm assuming we'd pluck Leanne Rimes and Harry Connick out of their perspective timelines when they are both around the same age, but Paul McCartney, outside of the Beatles movies, I don't think I've ever seen him act, but I would watch this for sure. Last but not least, an entry from my lovely mother who says, My original choice for actors on Miracle on 34th Street was Chris Rock as Santa and Will Smith as the in-house therapist who gets bonked on the head, the crux of the movie. I figured that would be justice for Chris. However, two charming persons auditioned for a part in the movie. I'd hire them in a second. Oh, wait, hold on. There's an audio file attached to this thing that she sent me. Let's uh, play it. Roll it, Slappy the Elf. Santa Claus Capucha. Danke, Santa Claus. When he, but when he spoke, touched that little girl. Stephen, I speak French, but that doesn't make me Joan of Arc. Well, it looks like someone found a way to sneak more grandkids content onto the podcast. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Mom. And thank you to everybody who helped us recastmas this movie. And now we're going to do it all again. This time we're picking a very special Christmas movie. A Christmas movie so special, we spent a whole year debating if it was a Christmas movie. That's right. It's time to recastmas Die Hard. Who would fill Bruce Willis's shoes as John McClane? How about Alan Rickman's arguably bigger shoes as Hans Gruber? Holly? Sergeant Powell? Ellis? Argyle? Plenty of roles. Who would you choose? 
Remember, you can use actors from any time period, actors at any point in their career. You can keep it consistent, like you are casting a certain year, or pluck any actors or actresses out of the time stream and put them in however you like. Just like the folks you heard from today, you can send your choices in by email, christmas at tancast.com, Facebook, can't wait for Christmas pod, Instagram, can't wait for Christmas pod, or TikTok, can't wait for Christmas pod, or even Twitter, where we're just Christmas pod. Let us know who you would put in Die Hard so we can all have a wacky recastmas time. We're simply having a wacky recastmas time. And that's our show. Thanks once again to Austin Lawhorn from the North Pole Santa's Workshop for stopping by to talk to us today. Remember, the link to NorthPoleColorado.com is in the show notes of this episode. You'll also find a link to hear me on the Sounds of Christmas podcast and links to see me do stand-up at the Back Room in Berkeley, California on June 9th and at the Washington Inn in Oakland, California on June 10th. Plus, more. That's right, Frog Voice. I'll also be a guest soon on the Totally Rad Christmas podcast. Jerry had me on to discuss an Andy Williams special from 1985. Let me tell you, it was not what I was expecting. It was a bonkers wash and a super fun discussion. So be sure to tune in to Totally Rad Christmas when that drops. Okay, I'm officially out of things to plug. I'll sign off for now. I look forward to seeing your recastmas ideas for Die Hard, and I'll see you on Leon Day when we're halfway to Christmas. In the meantime, you believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2022. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at christmas at tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, Can't Wait for Christmas pod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band, and this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas! Nice. Yep. Uh, so, sorry, I was so invo- involved in your story, I lost the next question I was about to ask you. <laughs> uh, let me look at my notes. Professional. You don't get to be the eighth biggest Christmas podcast in the world for nothing. <laughs> um, I've been a busy little Christmas bee. bee. Why would I write Christmas be a Christmas bee? Obviously, you'd be a Christmas elf. Rewrite. Well, imaginary listener, sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog. I'll tell you another day. Or, if you want to guess, you can go listen to the episodes of Sounds of Christmas. Really? Really? Who's calling me during the recording of this? Pardon me, folks. Hello.
No, I do not want to talk to you about my car's extended warranty! Who's answering them? That's the problem. Someone's answering those calls about the car's extended warranty and responding. They wouldn't keep doing it. They would just give up if nobody answered. Everybody, stop answering the calls. Just hang up. All right. <laughs> All right. Random spam phone call rant over. Back to recording the episode. So I searched through my closet. I searched through my closet Brit and I said, hey, a closet Brit is not a thing. So then I closed my closet Brit and opened my closet. A brooch. Good idea, Bryce. While I was recording this live, Bryce from Bryce Rabbits over at TikTok suggested a brooch as something I could design that could go with the tie. I don't know if I'll have the time to do it before I post this episode, but keep your eyes peeled at the Can't Wait for Christmas store. You might just see a brooch.